So if you're able, I invite you to please stand with me, and we're going to read from Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. So please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, speak to our hearts through your word this morning. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here at Mount Pisgah, particularly those uh, who have been beaten up by life, those who are full of stress and worry and on the edge of burnout, those ready to put 2018 behind them. Lord, breathe fresh wind into our souls this morning. Give us clarity and perspective and renew our passion for the work you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to get buried in this text this morning, but before I do, I want to tell you a story. Um, So like Rob said, five years ago this month, I had just graduated seminary a few weeks before, and I flew in from San Antonio to be ordained with two of my best friends. So most of, of you know them as, as Nick Colston and Adam Barlow. These two men and I are, are pretty close. We met here at Mount Pisco when we were young. We started a praise band together, and, and we were even roommates in college when Nick decided to join Adam and I down in Moorhead for a semester. So when it came time to enter into full-time ministry, I wanted to be ordained with my brothers. And after the ordination ceremony, Rob gave me a Bible. And that he wrote a note in it, and I want to read that note for you this morning. It says, Simon, we are so proud of you and the man you've become. I'm thrilled you came back to Mount Pisgah to be ordained. There are so many people here that feel like they had a big part in your life, including your spiritual development. Many have known you since you were a child, and they are extremely proud of all you've accomplished. I know I feel like you are my son, and I have been there most of your life's big events. This step you have taken makes me so proud that you are following in my footsteps. But I know you will far exceed anything I have done in the ministry and the army chaplaincy. God has blessed you with so many gifts, abilities, and strengths. 
I love you. You are one of my greatest legacies. Love, Rob. So there's not a day that goes by where I don't think of, of this place and the calling God has placed on my life and my heart through the men and women here at Mount Pisgah. I learned to love the Lord here. And the calling to share the Gospel was written on my life here. Even today when things get tough and I want to run away from my responsibilities, I think back to that day and I hear the men who are in that ordination room asking us questions, determining whether or not we deserved the title pastor. And I can hear them say, don't you walk away from the responsibilities God's put on your life. Church, I want to bear my heart with you this morning. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about this this epidemic of weakness that seems to have come over Christians in our culture. And to be clear, I'm talking about the tendency that we don't have the courage to stand up for our convictions. We've allowed our social norms to dictate our church's leadership philosophies. So what we have in our churches is just a reflection of the new norms of society. We become more concerned with with entertainment and attracting numbers than we are with discipleship and doctrine. And we're creating a whole generation that, that has this mindset. And maybe I'm way off here at Mount Pisgah, but in the context in which I serve, and I see these young soldiers who say they're Christians. They're at chapel on Sunday, and then I'm visiting them in jail on Monday. And what I think the real problem is, we're afraid to lead. I'm talking about the moral conviction to stand up for Christ in our homes, in our jobs, in the ministry God's called you to. Some of you are discouraged in your walk with the Lord not because God hasn't shown you what to do. You know exactly what you're supposed to do. You're discouraged because you haven't done what He's called you to do. And I've learned some important lessons along the lines in my military career. I remember as a young captain, I took command of this company and I meet my first sergeant for the first time and I should have fired that guy on day one. But I was concerned because, you know, I'd been in the army a whole like four years and this dude's been in like 19. So I put up with some nonsense. And finally, he pushed me to the edge and I fired him. And I heard God telling me, I wasn't calling you to put up with it, I was calling you to do something about it. Courage. Nothing in life ever happens apart from courage. There are a lot of different definitions of of leadership, but I think the nature of biblical leadership is found in 1 Corinthians 11.1, where Paul says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And some of the times, that's, that's the willingness to stand alone and be the visualization of what the future looks like for those around you. Leadership is not a reflection of where things are. Leadership is a statement of where things ought to be. And that's the message we see in Joshua 1. And when you read this text, you've got to read it in its context. You know, we've got 2.5 million Israelites that have been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. They're in a funk. Moses, their leader, the one who delivered them from slavery, is dead. So they have a funeral for Moses, and while this is going on, it's like God comes down in the middle of it and says, don't you wimp out on me, Joshua. I can remember very clearly at my father's funeral, my uncle sitting my brother and I down and telling us, you take care of your mom and your sister, you understand me? It was a commissioning. 
That's the way that I still feel today, and that's the feeling that Joshua has after Moses dies. He says, listen to me, Joshua, don't you cave in. Don't you put it in neutral. Don't you back off that accelerator. Moses is going to die, but my work continues. One of the most moving scenes in the entire Bible. I love it. And God doesn't just send Joshua a dream. He comes, he comes personally to make sure he understood courage. It's almost as if God reaches out to Joshua and grabs him by the shirt and says, Suck in your lip, Joshua. I know your mentor just died, but I've got a mission for you. Wipe off your tears. You've got a job to do. And God gets Joshua's attention, and then he gives him a fourfold definition of what courage is. So first of all, courage is established by a mission from God. There's no such thing as courage apart from mission. Courage is defined by mission. You're not just courageous for courage's sake, right? One of the the main things I've learned in the military is that leadership is not a position, it's an assignment. You lead for something. You are courageous for something. Also, God's purposes are far beyond your moment in history. You know, this life is just one little snapshot. So don't get caught up in this, this significance thing. You may be pretty important at work. You think that's going to matter 200 years from now? A.W. Tozer says, When a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. So God tells Joshua the same thing He told Moses to do. Take my people into the promised land. And this is another reason why you should never think that God's mission is going to fail because of some of His great leaders die. God's not up in heaven going, oh no, Moses died, what are we going to do? What's going to happen to Christianity now that Billy Graham's dead? God's not up there doing that. He's just going, next? God isn't stressed out because there's an empty slot on the org chart. He says, look, the train is still moving, Christian. Get on board. Get up. Get over there. Get to work. And some of you, the Holy Spirit's been beating you up because you have... There are dreams and vision He's placed on your heart. And you know He has. You've been wussing out on Him. And He's telling you to get off your backside, get over there and get to work, get after it. This is reiterated in the New Testament by Paul in Ephesians 2, 8-10. He says, By grace you have been saved through faith. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ. And we skip this, this phrase there at the end. It says, For good works which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Should walk in them. Implying obligation. You have an obligation. God prepared good works for you to do. So you have an obligation to do them. And secondly, it implies choice. You don't have to, but you're going to miss your moment if you aren't obedient. So let's be real for a minute. Don't lay your head down when this is all over, when this life is all over with a bunch of regrets. Stop reflecting the norm of modern Christianity that only shows up to church on Sundays. Be passionate about the assignment God has given to you. And if you're not sure what that is, go talk to Nick and Rob or your staff here. They would love to help you figure that out. But when was the last time you examined your call? When was the last time you stood back and reflected on what makes you pound the table and weep for the things of God. What are the things that you know God has written on your soul? 
Courage, first of all, is established by a mission from God. Secondly, courage relies on the promise of God's presence. So God never calls us to do anything apart from His presence. Every assignment God gives His people is the primary means He is using to sanctify you. Some of you, or some of us, what we do is we separate the, the sanctifi- sanctification process from our lives. We compartmentalize it. The very thing God is using to draw you to Himself is the calling that He's given to you. This mission is not, it's not just a ministry for you it's, or a job. It's a means God is using you to draw you closer to Himself. And your assignment comes with a special sense of God's presence. Look at verse 5. It says, just, was I, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 9, do not be frightened or dismayed. I will be with you wherever you go. It's as if God says, do you think I'm going to leave you high and dry? You think God wants your life to be a hot mess? And I can imagine just as soon as God said that Joshua to Joshua, the rewind button in his mind started playing. If you remember, Joshua was there with Moses at the Red Sea when it parted. Joshua was thinking, yeah, he's going to be with me. God is with you guys. He's with you. Courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. Courage means that I obey God in light of my fear. It means that if I fear God more than I do my environment, I will always come out courageous. If God's the loudest voice in my head, I will be courageous. So first, courage is established by a mission from God. Secondly, courage relies on the promise of God's presence. And third, courage is built upon conviction. So I think that some of us in here might be a little more spiritual than God wants us to be. Let me explain that. It's amazing how we use nice-sounding spiritual language to camouflage a heart that is scared and disobedient towards God. I counseled a young soldier a few months ago. He says, you know, I tell you what, chaplain, I just, I just don't want to get ahead of the Lord. I'm like, brother, I have seen your PT scores. I know you can't run that fast. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I really wanted to. <laughs> now, I know the only thing worse than waiting on the Lord is wishing that you had. I get that. But God doesn't have to keep giving you signs. He told you to do it. Stop praying and fasting about something He's already told you to do. He shouldn't have to give you any more emotional encouragement to do what He's already called you to do. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. God doesn't stutter. Be careful about always making decisions based on your your personality profile or your style of influence. God's not held hostage to how you're wired. I think we put God in a box with all all of our cultural processes. We tell God, you know, God, Myers-Briggs tells me that I'm an ENTJ. My love language is this. Or my leadership style is that. This is how I lead or I operate. I think we ought to use all of those things, but we need to keep them at arm's length. God never dialogues with anyone about how they're wired before He calls them to a task. You're not going to find that in the Bible. God doesn't sit down with Joshua and say, let's see, Joshua, what do you like to do? Take this personality test for me. 
How are you feeling about this, Joshua? You see how silly that is? Quick camouflaging lack of doubt and a lack of faith with psychobabble. He said, courage is like a muscle, Joshua. It only gets stronger when you use it. Leadership is strengthened by acts of obedience. God says, here's the mission, Joshua. Get my people to the promised land. And when you get over there, they're not going to have a potluck for you. That's not how that's going to go. You're going to get shot at. I have a friend who flew A-10s in Vietnam, and he says, I knew I was flying over the right target if I was getting shot at. Jesus Christ hasn't called us to a playground. He's called us to a battlefield. Don't run because of opposition. If you keep running, you're going to be running the rest of your life. Endure. Preserve. So he says you act courageously and you get more courage. I'm with you, but I'm only going to strengthen you when you take that step of obedience. I'm going to lead you, but I'm only going to lead you when you tell those people to line up and let's go. You can't steer a parked car. I told you to be courageous. Guys, where are you at? And I hope this doesn't come across as scolding because that's not my intent. I just don't believe what the world's telling us about biblical leadership. So back to Joshua. Joshua, God says, here's your mission. And leadership is always in the verb position. Get up, get over there, get at it. Now, leadership is not a plaque in your office. It's not a title. It's a verb. It's an action. Secondly, I'm with you. Just as I was with Moses, I'm with you. I'm not going to do it for you. Be courageous. And I'll be there for you. I'll be there with you. And thirdly, stop looking back. I told you to do it. So what are you waiting for? Then lastly, courage is founded on the Word of God. So look at verses 7 and 8 with me again. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So notice the pronouns. He doesn't say, I will make your way prosperous. No, he says, then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have great success. In other words, success or failure of this mission that I've given to you is tied to your relationship to God's Word. And he says right there in the, verse, in the verses that there are three relationships to the Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You've got to speak it. When these 2.5 million Israelites come to you for leadership, Joshua, you can't be giving them the most current vision you have on leadership. Speak the truth. Speak God's Word. I think the world needs a word from God. And that's what he's saying to Joshua. Joshua, you may think you have terrible leadership skills, but speak my word. You're going to be fine. Preach it, Joshua. And I want to encourage every one of you in here today, protect your time alone in God's Word. Don't let it be hijacked by anything. Your families, the circles you run in, they deserve to hear God's Word, not the latest Oprah philosophy. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. Speak it. But you should meditate on it day and night. You've got to study it. This word in the Hebrew for meditate can be translated dull sound. And I like to think what he's really saying here is speak it, but the reason you can speak it is because you possess it. It's the background noise of your life. He's saying you need to master the Word of God for your souls. Know it. 
Love it. Let it fill your heart. Let it be the background music of your life. That way when trials come, all you got to do is turn up the sound. It's already there. It's the dull sound. It's the background music of your soul. And that's what God was saying to Joshua. Get this into your system. God's people always lead from the Word. You hear me? Always lead and be led from the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Speak it, but then you shall meditate on it day and night. Study it, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You've got to serve it. Guys, hypocrisy is the primary tool that the enemy uses in our lives as Christians. We say and do things to project a a certain reality. And I may get in trouble for this one, but I keep up with a lot of you through social media, and the Facebook you is not the real you. We live in this modern Christianity that says if you can do it and pull it off, no one's going to ask you any questions. So you come to church on Sundays and you fake it. It's easy to fake it for an hour. I know, I've been there. But God's word doesn't say, why do you, but God's word says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what God was telling Joshua. Be the place where others arrive. And that's what God's telling you today, too. You can't get there unless you're obedient to God's word. Guys, this book of the law, do not let it depart from your mouth. Speak it, study it, and serve it. I've been giving that last line that Rob wrote me um, a lot of thought as we put 2018 behind us and bring in 2019. It said, I love you, and you're one of my greatest legacies. Church, what legacy has God passed to you? Your new children's wing, that thing is awesome. What are you doing to intentionally leave your legacy with those kids in 2019? What mission has God been preparing you for? He's going to use it to sanctify you and those around you this year, if you'll serve Him. What baton was passed to you that you've dropped? God's with you. Get after it. Church, don't run away from the responsibilities that God has put on your life. Be strong and courageous.